Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. For months now, Biden administration officials have declared that the free trade era is over, and they want a new global economic system. In its place, they are aiming to create a, quote, new economic world order focused on protecting workers, bolstering environmental standards, and raising wages, not just for Americans, but around the world. So far, though, the Biden administration has struggled to figure out exactly how to implement that vision. So today, we chat with Politico's Gavin Bade about why Biden is trying to create a new global economic system and what it means for America's energy policy. It's Tuesday, May 16th. Broadly, what we're talking about here is the Biden administration's effort to reshape both the institutions and kind of the governing paradigms of the global economy. So those institutions being things like the World Trade Organization and traditional free trade deals that we started really pushing in the 1970s and 80s and have really been pushing through up until now, really. And I would say the governing paradigms that had been the driving force behind those institutions was broadly what scholars nowadays call neoliberalism. And that's people have different definitions, but very broadly is an adherence to free trade abroad and austerity at home, lower taxes, lower regulations. And we've been tracking since really the the rise of Trump, how that consensus has been breaking up. We have China's rise. We have COVID and all the supply chain disruptions. And now the Biden administration is saying we know that we need to fix some of the problems with the system or these perceived problems that they have, or they fear they're going to get Trump back or something even worse, right? And so this piece is about after we declare the death of the free trade era and the World Trade Organization has been paralyzed since the Trump era and we're not doing free trade deals in the same way we were anymore. This piece is trying to look at what we're actually trying to do with the global economy. So what is the era that's going to replace neoliberalism and free trade? And the answer is no one's really sure yet. Interesting. And so what comes next isn't exactly clear, but you're reporting the administration has had trouble actually shaping this new world order and executing on it. So what are the obstacles? Yeah, I would say what Biden's team wants to replace the old paradigms of the economy is what they call their worker-centered trade policy, right? So instead of a race to the bottom where everyone outsources their production to lower wage and lower environmental standard locations and countries, they want to encourage a club of nations that will have higher labor standards, higher environmental standards, and try to get global investment there, right? That is the kind of push that's behind their friend-shoring initiatives that we had talked about so many times in energy policy, right? Trying to get solar, battery, wind component production out of China, out of other unfriendly nations and to places with better regulations and better labor standards, right? We see the forced labor debates in the solar supply chain a lot. And of course, we are building a lot of new battery factories stateside because of the Inflation Reduction Act and things like that. But I think that those things that Biden has done already are are maybe a drop in the bucket. But we're trying to look at the limitations of Biden's efforts to really reshape all of the global economic institutions. And so there's considerable skepticism that 
These newfangled economic pacts, the Indo-Pacific Economic Forum, the America's Partnership for Economic Prosperity, are they really going to live up to the challenge of reshaping the global economy so that we end the race to the bottom and also can challenge China's growing dominance in its trade sphere? And I think that this piece really shows that there's a lot of questions left for if we're going to be able to attract friendly nations to come and join us as we align against China. As we're doing that, are we going to force the globe into two separate trade blocks where China trades with its friendly nations, we trade with our friendly nations, and then we have a group of unaligned nations that we kind of court for, right? It's a big open question right now whether the Biden administration can shape a new global economy and also sell all of these new ideas to voters, right? When you start talking about all these global trade packs, folks in Michigan, folks in Ohio may just think this sounds exactly like the TPP and could get Trump hitting them over these newfangled trade deals, even though they are not exactly what we were doing before, right? It's a very difficult situation for the Biden administration because if they push China too hard and they start to cut down on trade between the two nations, well, they could affect the economy here in the United States, push some of our companies out of business, maybe induce a recession, and then you lose to Donald Trump. But if you don't go hard enough against China, he's going to hit you over the head with that. And so I think they're really walking a knife's edge here as they try to reshape the old paradigms of the neoliberal economy into something new. And I think this is something that's going to take years and going to take a lot of policy continuity and initiative. But right now there's more questions than answers i would say yeah and then just drilling down a little bit more on how we're seeing this new world order play out in energy policy so far you mentioned the inflation reduction act clearly that under underlines a lot of what democrats tried to accomplish there and we're now seeing them try to implement that from the administration side and they're kind of getting criticism on both fronts from either being going too far and trying to onshore or not going far enough. So what are you seeing? How are you seeing this actually play out on the energy front so far? Yeah, I think the all of the in Biden's new industrial policies around energy are kind of indicative of this push to reshape the global economy, right? Instead of producing batteries, producing solar panels in some of the most polluting environments. They want to bring stuff back here, one, to provide good jobs for American citizens, but also to cut down on the environmental impact, to cut down on the competition that American businesses would have overseas from workers and companies that don't have to meet the same standards, right? And so whenever we're talking about all of these new factory announcements for electric vehicles, when we're talking about trying to source critical minerals from friendly nations, this is all indicative of Biden's new, what they would call their worker-centered trade policy. What the critics in this piece have told us is there's just so many gaps left to be filled in on that vision. Your listeners will know well that it's very difficult to know where we're going to get all the critical minerals from if we're going to try to source them from only friendly nations, right? We have critical minerals agreements with Japan, and we're working on one with the EU, but they're pretty vague. There's a lot more questions than answers there as well. And so I think that the upshot of the piece is the Biden administration has a lot of big ideas about how to reshape these supply chains and at the same time build a new energy economy. But are their initiatives really set up to meet the moment when they have to take on China, recruit other nations, and build a new industrial policy here? It's a gargantuan task. And I think that it's an open question whether their new initiatives will be able to live up to it. Also, military spending to clean up toxic PFAS contamination isn't keeping up with the growing scope of the problem. That's according to a new analysis released on Monday from the Environmental Working Group, a nonprofit. 
It found that between 2016 and 2021, cleanup estimates grew by $3.7 billion to a total of $31 billion. But in that time, the Defense Department's budget for cleanups grew by only $400 million. The military previously used equipment containing the chemicals, and they leaked into the drinking water at hundreds of its sites, according to DOD. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com slash power dash switch. And subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Before we go, I want to invite you to Politico's first ever energy summit. Hear from Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm, White House National Climate Advisor Ali Zaidi, and more to hear about the new energy transition. Mark your calendars for Thursday, May 18th. See you in person here in D.C., or you can join us virtually. For more details and RSVP, visit www.politico.com slash energy summit. I hope to see you there. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back tomorrow. Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. Chevron is developing renewable diesel made with biofeedstock that can help reduce the life cycle carbon emissions of heavy-duty transport fuels today. Learn more at chevron.com.